Section 16 of the Forbidden Books of the New Testament, translated by Archbishop William Wake. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by C.J. Plogue. Barnabas, chapters 10 through 15. Chapter 10. Baptism and the cross of Christ foretold in figures under the law. Let us now inquire whether the Lord took care to manifest anything beforehand concerning water and the cross. Now for the former of these it is written to the people of Israel how they shall not receive that baptism which brings to forgiveness of sins, but shall institute another to themselves that cannot. For thus saith the prophet, Be astonished, O heaven, and let the earth tremble at it, because this people have done two great and wicked things. They have left me, the fountain of living water, and have digged for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is my holy mountain of Zion a desolate wilderness? For ye shall be as a young bird when its nest is taken away. And again the prophet saith, I will go before thee, and will make plain the mountains, and will break the gates of brass, and will snap in sunder the bars of iron, and will give thee dark and hidden and invisible treasures, that they may know that I am the Lord God. And again he shall dwell in the high den of the strong rock. And then what follows in the same prophet? His water is faithful. You shall see the king with glory, and your soul shall learn to fear the Lord. And again he saith in another prophet, He that does these things shall be like a tree planted by the currents of water, which shall give its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth it shall prosper. As for the wicked, it is not so with them, but they are as the dust which the wind scattereth away from the face of the earth. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, neither the sinners in the counsel of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, and the way of the ungodly shall perish. Consider how he has joined both the cross and the water together. For this he saith, Blessed are they who put their trust in the cross and descend into the water, for they shall have the reward in due time. Then saith he, Will I give it them? But as concerning the present time, he saith their leaves shall not fall, meaning thereby that every word that shall go out of your mouth shall through faith and charity be to the conversion and hope of many. In like manner doth another prophet speak, and the land of Jacob was the praise of all the earth magnifying thereby the vessel of his spirit. And what follows? And there was a river running on the right hand, and beautiful trees grew by it, and he that shall eat of them shall live for ever. The signification of which is this, that we go down into the water full of sins and pollutions, but come up again bringing forth fruit, having in our hearts the fear and hope which is in Jesus by the Spirit. And whosoever shall eat of them shall live for ever that is, whosoever shall hearken to those who call them, and shall believe, shall live for ever. Chapter 11. The subject continued. In like manner he determines concerning the cross in another prophet, saying, And when shall these things be fulfilled? The Lord answers, When the tree that is fallen shall rise, and when the blood shall drop down from the tree. Here you have again mention made both of the cross, and of him that was to be crucified upon it. And yet farther, he saith by Moses, when Israel was fighting with and beaten by a strange people, 
to the end that God might put them in mind how that for their sins they were delivered unto death. Yea, the Holy Spirit put it into the heart of Moses, to represent both the sign of the cross and of him that was to suffer, that so they might know that if they did not believe in him they should be overcome for ever. Moses therefore piled up armor upon armor in the middle of a rising ground, and standing high above all of them stretched forth his arms, and so Israel again conquered. But no sooner did he let down his hands, but they were again slain. And why so? To the end they might know that except they trust in him they cannot be saved. And in another prophet he saith, I have stretched out my hands all the day long to a people disobedient, and speaking against my righteous way. And again Moses makes a type of Jesus to show that he was to die, and then that he whom they thought to be dead was to give life to others, in the type of those that fell in Israel. For God caused all sorts of serpents to bite them, and they died. Forasmuch as by a serpent transgression began in Eve, that so he might convince them that for their transgressions they shall be delivered into the pain of death. Moses then himself, who had commanded them, saying, You shall not make to yourselves any graven or molten image, to be your God, yet now did so himself, that he might represent to them the figure of the Lord Jesus. For he made a brazen serpent, and set it up on high, and called the people together by a proclamation, where being come they entreated Moses that he would make an atonement for them, and pray that they might be healed. Then Moses spake unto them, saying, When any one among you shall be bitten, let him come unto the serpent that is set upon the pole, and let him assuredly trust in him, that though he be dead, yet he is able to give life, and presently he shall be saved. And so they did. See therefore how here also you have in this the glory of Jesus, and that in him and to him are all things. Again, what says Moses to Joshua, son of Nun, when he gave that name unto him, as being a prophet, that all the people might hear him alone? Because the Father did manifest all things concerning his son Jesus in Joshua, the son of Nun, and gave him that name when he sent him to spy out the land of Canaan, saying, Take a book in thine hands, and write what the Lord saith. For as much as Jesus, the Son of God, shall in the last days cut off by the roots all the house of Amalek, see here again Jesus, not the Son of Man, but the Son of God made manifest in a type and in the flesh. But because it might hereafter be said that Christ was the Son of David, therefore David, fearing and well knowing the errors of the wicked, saith, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And again Isaiah speaketh on the wise, The Lord said unto Christ my Lord, I have laid hold on his right hand, that the nations should obey before him, and I will break the strength of kings. Behold, how doth David and Isaiah call him Lord and the Son of God. Chapter 12 The promise of God not made to the Jews only, but to the Gentiles also, and fulfilled to us by Jesus Christ. But let us go yet further, and inquire whether this people be the heir, or the former, and whether the covenant be with us, or with them. And first, as concerning the people, hear now what the scripture saith. Isaac prayed for his wife Rebekah, because she was barren, and she conceived. Afterwards Rebekah went forth to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, There are two nations in thy womb, and two people shall come from thy body and the one shall have power over the other, and the greater shall serve the lesser. Understand here who was Isaac, who Rebekah, 
and of whom it was foretold this people shall be greater than that and in another prophecy jacob speaketh more clearly to his son joseph saying behold the lord hath not derived me of seeing thy face bringing me thy sons that i may bless them and he brought unto his father manasseh and ephraim desiring that he should bless manasseh because he was the elder therefore joseph brought him to the right hand of his father jacob but jacob by the spirit foresaw the figure of the people that was to come and what saith the scripture and jacob crossed his hands and put his right hand upon ephraim his second and the younger son and blessed him and joseph said unto jacob put thy right hand upon the head of manasseh for he is my first-born son and jacob said unto joseph i know it my son i know it but the greater shall serve the lesser though he also shall be blessed ye see of whom he appointed it that they should be the first people and the heirs of the covenant if therefore god shall have yet farther taken notice of this by abraham too our understanding of it will then be perfectly established what then saith the scripture of abraham when he believed and it was imputed unto him for righteousness behold i have made thee a father of the nations which without circumcision believe in the lord let us therefore now inquire whether god has fulfilled the covenant which he sware to our fathers that he would give this people yes verily he gave it but they were not worthy to receive it by reason of their sins for thus saith the prophet and moses continued fasting on mount sinai to receive the covenant of the lord with the people forty days and forty nights and he received of the lord two tables written with the finger of the lord's hand in the spirit and moses when he had received them brought them down that he might deliver them to the people and the lord said unto moses 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 get thee down quickly for the people which thou broughtest out of the land of egypt have done wickedly and moses understood that they had again set up a molten image and he cast the two tables out of his hand and the tables of the covenant of the lord were broken moses therefore received them but they were not worthy now then learn how we have received them moses being a servant took them but the lord himself has given them unto us that we might be the people of his inheritance having suffered for us he was therefore made manifest that they should fill up the measure of their sins and that we being made heirs by him should receive the covenant of the lord jesus christ and again the prophet saith behold i have set thee for a light unto the gentiles to be the saviour of all the ends of the earth saith the lord the god who hath redeemed thee who for that very end was prepared that by his own appearing he might redeem our hearts already devoured by death and delivered over to the irregularity of error from darkness and establish a covenant with us by his word for so it is written that the father commanded him by delivering us from darkness to prepare unto himself a holy people wherefore the prophet saith i the lord thy god have called thee in righteousness and i will take thee by the hand and will strengthen thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light to the gentiles to open the eyes of the blind to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in the darkness out of the prison house consider therefore from whence we have been redeemed and again the prophet saith the spirit of the lord is upon me because he hath anointed me he hath sent me to preach glad tidings to the lowly to heal the broken in heart to preach remission to the captives and give sight unto the blind to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord and the day of restitution to comfort all that mourn chapter thirteen that the sabbath of the jews was but a figure of a more glorious sabbath to come and their temple of the spiritual temples of god 
Furthermore it is written concerning the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, which God spake in the Mount Sinai to Moses face to face, Sanctify the Sabbath of the Lord with pure hands and with a clean heart. And elsewhere he saith, If thy children shall keep my Sabbaths, then will I put my mercy upon them. And even in the beginning of the creation he makes mention of the Sabbath. And God made in six days the work of his hands, and he finished them on the seventh day, and he rested the seventh day, and sanctified it. Consider, my children, what that signifies, he finished them in six days. The meaning of it is this, that in six thousand years the Lord God will bring all things to an end. For with him one day is a thousand years, as himself testifieth, saying, Behold, this day shall be as a thousand years. Therefore, children, in six days, that is, in six thousand years, shall all things be accomplished. And what is that he saith? And he rested the seventh day. He meaneth this, that when his son shall come and abolish the season of the wicked one, and judge the ungodly, and shall change the sun and the moon and the stars, then he shall gloriously rest on that seventh day. He adds lastly, Thou shalt sanctify it with clean hands and a pure heart. Wherefore we are greatly deceived if we imagine that any one can now sanctify that day which God has made holy, without having a heart pure in all things. Behold, therefore, he will then truly sanctify it with blessed rest. When we, having received the righteous promise, when iniquity shall be no more, all things being renewed by the Lord shall be able to sanctify it, being ourselves first made holy. Lastly he saith unto them, Your new moons and your sabbaths, I cannot bear them. Consider what he means by it. The sabbaths, says he, which ye now keep, are not acceptable unto me, but those which I have made. When resting from all things, I shall begin the eighth day, that is, the beginning of the other world. For which cause we observe the eighth day with gladness, in which Jesus rose from the dead. And having manifested himself to his disciples, ascended into heaven. It remains yet that I speak to you concerning the temple, how those miserable men being deceived have put their trust in the house, and not in God himself, who made them, as if it were the habitation of God. For much after the same manner as the Gentiles, they consecrated him in the temple. But learn therefore how the Lord speaketh, rendering the temple vain. Who has measured the heaven with a span, and the earth with his hand? Is it not I? Thus with the Lord heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you will build me? Or what is the place of my rest? Know therefore that all their hope is in vain. And again he speaketh after this manner, Behold, they that destroy this temple, even they shall again build it up. And so it came to pass, for through their wars it is now destroyed by their enemies, and the servants of their enemies built it up. Furthermore it has been made manifest how both the city and the temple, and the people of Israel should be given up. For the scripture saith, And it shall come to pass in the last days, that the Lord will deliver up the sheep of his pasture, and their fold, and their tower unto destruction, and it shall come to pass as the Lord hath spoken. Let us inquire, therefore, whether there be any temple of God. Yes, there is, and there where himself declares that he would both make and perfect it. For it is written, and it shall be, that as soon as the week shall be completed, the temple of the Lord shall be gloriously built in the name of the Lord. I find, therefore, that there is a temple, but how shall it be built in the name of the Lord? I will show you. 
Before that we believed in God, the habitation of our heart was corruptible and feeble, as a temple truly built with hands. For it was a house full of idolatry, a house of devils, inasmuch as there was done in it whatsoever was contrary unto God. But it shall be built in the name of the Lord. Consider how that the temple of the Lord shall be very gloriously built, and by what means that shall be. Learn. Having received remission of our sins, and trusting in the name of the Lord, we are become renewed, being again created, as it were, from the beginning. Wherefore God truly dwells in our house, that is, in us. But how does he dwell in us? By the word of his faith, the calling of his promise, the wisdom of his righteous judgments, and the commands of his doctrine. He himself prophesies within us. He himself dwelleth in us, and openeth to us who were in bondage of death the gate of our temple, that is, the mouth of wisdom, having given repentance unto us, and by this means has brought us to be an incorruptible temple. He therefore that desires to be saved, looketh not unto man, but unto him that dwelleth in him, and speaketh by him. Being struck with wonder, forasmuch as he never either heard him speaking such words out of his mouth, nor ever desired to hear them. This is that spiritual temple that is built unto the Lord. Chapter 14 Of the way of light, being a summary of what a Christian is to do, that he may be happy forever. And thus I trust I have declared to you as much, and with as great simplicity as I could, those things which provide for your salvation, so as not to have omitted anything that might be requisite thereunto. For should I speak farther of the things that now are, and of those that are to come, you would not yet understand them, seeing they lie in parables. This therefore shall suffice as to these things. Let us now go on to the other kind of knowledge and doctrine. There are two ways of doctrine and power, the one of light, the other of darkness. But there is a great deal of difference between these two ways, for over one are appointed the angels of God, the leaders of the way of light over the other, the angels of Satan, and the one is the Lord from everlasting to everlasting, the other is the prince of the time of unrighteousness. Now the way of light is this, if any one desires to attain to the place that is appointed for him, and will hasten thither by his works, and the knowledge that has been given to us for walking into it to this effect, thou shalt love him that made thee, thou shalt glorify him that hath redeemed thee from death. Thou shalt be simple in heart, and rich in the spirit. Thou shalt not cleave to those that walk in the way of death. Thou shalt hate to do anything that is not pleasing unto God. Thou shalt abhor all dissimulation. Thou shalt not neglect any of the commands of the Lord. Thou shalt not exalt thyself, but shalt be humble. Thou shalt not take honor to thyself. Thou shalt not enter into any wicked counsel against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not be overconfident in thy heart. Thou shalt not commit fornication nor adultery, neither shalt thou corrupt thyself with mankind. Thou shalt not make use of the word of God to any impurity. Thou shalt not accept any man's person when thou reprovest anyone's faults. Thou shalt be gentle, thou shalt be quiet, thou shalt tremble at the words which thou hast heard. Thou shalt not keep any hatred in thy heart against thy brother. Thou shalt not entertain any doubt whether it shall be or not. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Thou shalt love thy neighbor above thine own soul. Thou shalt not destroy thy conceptions before they are brought forth, nor kill them after they are born. Thou shalt not withdraw thy hand from thy son, or from thy daughter, 
but shall teach them from their youth the fear of the Lord. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, neither shalt thou be an extortioner, neither shall thy heart be joined to proud men, but thou shalt be numbered among the righteous and the lowly. Whatever events shall happen unto thee, thou shalt receive them as good. Thou shalt not be double-minded or double-tongued, for a double tongue is the snare of death. Thou shalt be subject unto the Lord and to inferior masters as to the representatives of God, in fear and reverence. Thou shalt not be bitter in thy commands toward any of thy servants that trust in God, lest thou chance not to fear him who is over both. Because he came not to call any with respect of persons, but whomsoever the Spirit had prepared. Thou shalt communicate to thy neighbor of all thou hast. Thou shalt not call anything thine own, for if ye partake of such things as are incorruptible, how much more should ye do it in those that are corruptible? Thou shalt not be forward to speak, for the mouth is the snare of death. Strive for thy soul with all thy might. Reach not out thine hand to receive, and withhold it not when thou shouldest give. Thou shalt love as the apple of thine eye, every one that speaketh unto thee the word of the Lord. Call to thy remembrance day and night the future judgment. Thou shalt seek out every day the persons of the righteous, and both consider and go about to exhort others by the word, and meditate how thou mayest save a soul. Thou shalt also labor with thy hands to give to the poor, that thy sins be forgiven thee. Thou shalt not deliberate whether thou shouldest give, nor, having given, murmur at it. Give to every one that asks, so shalt thou know who is the good rewarder of thy gifts. Keep what thou hast received, thou shalt neither add to it nor take from it. Let the wicked be always thy aversion. Thou shalt judge with righteous judgment, thou shalt never cause divisions, but shalt make peace between those that are at variance and bring them together. Thou shalt confess thy sins, and not come to thy prayer with an evil conscience. This is the way of light. Chapter 15 Of the way of darkness, that is, what kind of persons shall be forever cast out of the kingdom of God. But the way of darkness is crooked and full of cursing, for it is the way of eternal death with punishment, in which they that walk meet those things that destroy their own souls. Such are idolatry, confidence, pride of power, hypocrisy, double-mindedness, adultery, murder, raping, pride, transgression, deceit, malice, arrogance, witchcraft, covetousness, and the want of the fear of God. In this walk those who are the persecutors of them that are good, haters of truth, lovers of lies, who know not the reward of righteousness, nor cleave to anything that is good, who administer not righteous judgment to the widow and orphan, who watch for wickedness and not for the fear of the Lord, from whom gentleness and patience are far off, who love vanity and follow after rewards, having no compassion upon the poor, nor take any pains for such as are heavy laden and oppressed ready to evil speaking, not knowing him that made them, murderers of children, corruptors of the creature of God, that turn away from the needy, oppress the afflicted, are the advocates of the rich, but unjust judges of the poor, being altogether sinners. It is therefore fitting that learning the just commands of the Lord, which we have before mentioned, we should walk in them. For he who does such things shall be glorified in the kingdom of God but he that chooses the other part shall be destroyed together with his works. For this cause there shall be both a resurrection and a retribution. I beseech those that are in high estate among you, 
If so be you will take the counsel which with a good intention I offer to you, you have those with you towards whom you may do good. Do not forsake them. For the day is at hand at which all things shall be destroyed together with the wicked one. The Lord is near, and his reward is with him. I beseech you therefore again and again, be as good lawgivers to one another. Continue faithful counsellors. Do each other remove from among you all hypocrisy. And may God the Lord of all the world give you wisdom, knowledge, counsel, and understanding of his judgments and patience. Be ye taught of God, seeking what is the Lord requires of you in doing it, that you may be saved in the day of judgment. And if there be among you any remembrance of what is good, think of me, meditating on these things, that both my desire and my watching for you may turn to a good account. I beseech you, I ask it as a favor of you, whilst you are in this beautiful tabernacle of the body, be wanting in none of these things, but without ceasing seek them, and fulfill every command, for these things are fitting and worthy to be done. Wherefore I have given the more diligence to write unto you according to my ability, that you might rejoice. Farewell, children of love and peace. The Lord of glory and of all grace be with your spirit. Amen. The end of the epistle of Barnabas, the apostle and fellow traveler of St. Paul, the apostle. References to the general epistle of Barnabas. Barnabas was a companion and fellow preacher with Paul. This epistle lays a greater claim to canonical authority than most others. It has been cited by Clemens, Alexandrinus, Origen, Eusebius, and Jerome, and many ancient fathers. Cotillarius affirms that Origen and Jerome esteemed it genuine and canonical. But Cotillarius himself did not believe it to be either one or the other. On the contrary, he supposes it was written for the benefit of the Ebionites, the Christianized Jews, who were tenacious of rites and ceremonies. Bishop Fell feared to own expressly what he seemed to be persuaded of, that it ought to be treated with the same respect as several of the books of the present canon. Dr. Bernard, civilian professor at Oxford, not only believed it to be genuine, but that it was read throughout in the churches of Alexandria as the canonical scriptures were. Dodwell supposed it to have been published before the Epistle of Jude and the writings of both the Johns. Vosius Dupius, Dr. Kane, Dr. Mill, Dr. S. Clark, Whitson, and Archbishop Wake also esteemed it genuine. Mendaris, Archbishop Land, Spainheim, and others deemed it apocryphal. End of section 16. Barnabas chapters 10 through 15.